Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So I got this, um, I got an email from Star Wars. It's actually, it's actually one of my favorite things, is when people refer to Lucasfilm or Disney as Star Wars. It's like in the head, Star Wars clarifies new uh, trailer from Boba Fett, I don't know. It's a, it's a, but I actually did, I got an email from Star Wars. They say, uh, <clears throat> the Book of Boba Fett official trailer is here and i don't maybe it's just my spam folder or something but i i normally i didn't realize i was on the mailing list of starwars.com but they are um they have the brand new uh, poster they are ready to roll to get people hyped for a uh, book of boba fett which they don't need to do with me i'm already hyped but uh, one guy i'm pretty sure is excited about it too and i'm excited to welcome him back to the star wars report after far too long from the geek out loud podcast it's mr steve gloss and how's it going man it's it's going well. I think it's been six or seven years. <laughs> That's it, really. Uh, no, I, I think it's been like three or. four. It's been a few. It's well, it's and here's the, I, I have to say this is um, this is probably good policy. Um, so, not to stroke your ego, but when I I sent out uh, a poll to uh, our uh, Patreon chat back when oh, we wow. had it and uh, just like a lot of the folks who listen to and support us along is like who do you guys want to come back on the show as we have we're on our final runway off ramp to wrap up after 501 podcast episodes uh, and you were top of the list so welcome wow well it's that's here. a lot of pressure thank you so much for that coming right out of the gate um, <laughs> I remember I remember so long ago the first time I was ever on your show with Teresa Delgado of all people you were in the first few episodes yeah it was early on early on Mm. And um, and man, how much has changed since then? I'm I have faded into obscurity while you, sir, have continued the march into mm. greatness. Well, I'm mm, I'm following you though. <laughs> There's something comforting about obscurity, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it kind of is. I'm not gonna lie. It's <laughs> There's something, Riley. There's something about hey, fun while it lasted. <laughs> Um, so you know, true. and then, so and then just kind of, kind of being the old dog, just watching all the youngins do their thing. Yeah. It's weird to be the person saying that as the person who's used to like almost 10 years of being the kids on the block. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's right. Yeah. The, 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 the kids, and I think you even referred to you guys as that from time to time, you know, the kids are oh, here. Yeah. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I hated it at the time, but like, I appreciate it now. <laughs> I hated it so much, but it's you know. But now you realize. Now you understand. I do. All it took was TikTok. TikTok is what finally came along. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and transformed Star Wars fandom to where I was the the old person in the room. <laughs> it's it, listen. It's been interesting to watch fandom yeah change and 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 evolve. And you know, I know that you know, and, and you've been part of that. You know, you you've been right there along and along. And of course, we were there together at celebration six i believe it yeah. was in in the joke going around was seven eight nine and yep. i think i had everyone convinced that that's what would happen and you did 
course, the big announcement was, we're going to Germany. And Woo-hoo! everyone was like, that is lame. Um, and we wouldn't say it out loud. That was what was so funny about that trip. Was no one would be like, you know, what? how lame. Don't pump up <laughs> the closing ceremonies and be like, we're going to Germany. That's the big announcement. It was announcement. so lame. They got a polka band to play the Star Wars theme. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Of course I do. They marched out from the from the back to the to the exit doors and lined up and they had pizza and beer for people. It was like beer for people. the most, it was, someone was in a conference room somewhere. I was like, what can we do? Like, how about a polka band? Beer? Pretzels? That's German, right? Let's do it. Let's do that. Let's do that. And that way... If we're not able to get this Disney deal done on time, we'll at least have that. Yeah, it's like a really, really crappy version of Augie's Municipal Band. That's what it, it really, is. Yes, it was. Yeah, exactly. It was nowhere near the pomp and circumstance, but a, but a lot more later hosing. <laughs> um, the, the, but the, you know what was really funny though is is it, it was only a couple of months later, maybe six weeks. Yeah, no, barely um, any time. You know, when when the news about the Lucasfilms sale to Disney dropped and and we were told in that moment we'd have the sequel trilogy and everything and man what a spike of excitement and Mm -hmm. and then um you know and and then you began to see it was it's it was really interesting to kind of see the ebb and flow throughout the last what has it been six years yeah Mm -hmm. um of fandom and how fandoms worked and 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 what and what has happened to some fans and that sort of thing negative positive otherwise you know yeah um, but it, it's just, uh, it, it's an interesting, th- it's been a learning curve. I think I was yeah. actually thinking about this today, Riley, because I was thinking about, you know, you're on your last leg. You're, you're uh, as far as the podcast, <laughs> <not> <laughs> personally, sir, you have many years of health and happiness ahead of you. Um, you know, God willing, of course, but, um, but no, the, the, your, the podcast is, as you say, I think it's a, a nice analogy on the exit ramp, you know, making its way there. Yeah, it's changing lanes to yep. get over there, mm-hmm. and 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 I was just thinking about how much has changed since, you know, Celebration Five. Yeah, when young Riles Blanton, you know, walks up and introduces himself to you know, the guy holding court in line for the opening <laughs> ceremonies, and I just blew you off, and um, what a jerk I was, um, and and and, and you know, I'll be honest, you know, have has our relationship been based on that guilt that I held in my heart all those years? Yes, 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 mm-hmm. it has, yeah. mm-hmm. but. Um, but it's been a good one, regardless. <laughs> Leveraged into thinking, a beautiful was, friendship. That's right. I was just thinking, though, about how much fandom has changed, you know, oh, and how it's been dude. a learning curve. Look, Lucasfilm and, 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 and carrying on the mantle of Star Wars has been a, has been a learning curve for Lucasfilm. Yep. yep. And, and accepting what Star Wars is becoming or has become has been a learning curve for the fandom. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and there are places... What's interesting is to see those moments in time where where everything came together and all agreed. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and the, there are those moments in Star Wars. And, and, and look, make no mistake about it. Star Wars fandom has always been, um, since 1997 with the special edition, Star Wars fandom has always been this thing where you have people griping and complaining about what's been done to their precious franchise. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and, and so it's interesting to see how that has evolved because then the prequels hit and people were griping and complaining and saying yep. hateful things. And then, you know, Clone Wars and everyone hated it until everyone didn't. And then, and, and then when, the sequ- when the sequel trilogy hit, you know, there, there are these camps of people and, and where they fall. And what's interesting is how the re- 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 this time around – the response to people who don't like it 
and the backlash against people who don't like it, and then the backlash against the people who don't like the people that don't like it, and then all you know, and suddenly you've got this weird thing. But then Darth Vader sparks a lightsaber at the end of Rogue One, yeah, and everybody stops fighting and just oohs and ahs and and yeah. and yeah. cheers and and applauds, and then and then they go back to it again, you know. <laughs> then they go back to beating each other's heads in over something they had no bone, you know. All they've done is pay for collectibles and books and stuff. They had no. They had no say so in the creative, and the, they get offended, yeah. and and then all of a sudden everyone stops and cheers as Luke sparks a lightsaber and takes out some dark, you know, some uh, some dark stormtroopers on 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 the star destroyer and, and comes walking in and 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 tears are shed and and all the fandom rejoices. You know, it's like it, it's 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 a reverse kind of of what Obi Wan said in in A New Hope when he said, you know. Uh, it's like millions of voices cried out in ter- terror and were suddenly silenced. In this case, it was there was silence and millions of voices <laughs> cried out in unison. It's Luke. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it, so so it's been really interesting to kind of see fandom learn, you know, what is Star Wars going to be? It's interesting because, kind of- Steve, when you when you put it that way, I, and I think you have this ability to to put this kind of context on it for a lot of you guys listening right now. I, I think um, especially if you've come in to the show in the Disney era, which is fully almost half the life of this over mm-hmm. half the life of this podcast now. There, there, I think um, sometimes that context is missed of these unifying moments because it kind of gives me hope, Steve, when you talk about Star Wars fandom from, from those era as it survived different factions or different controversies because I think at times because of the era of social media uh, that we live in that I think everything kind of sometimes feels like it's worse than it actually is. When it comes well, it to feels phantom. like it's worse. It feels like it's worse in some instances, and then other instances, it feels like everyone thinks it's better than it actually is, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm just—I mean, for real. It to me, Riley. Like, I think I'm at the point, and I and I think I've tried to make this point in my own podcast where I can't be over the moon excited about everything. Yeah. You know? and, and 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 at some point, I have to go into a wait and see kind of stance. You know, and and. And and honestly, that's kind of the thing that's going to come up in a moment when we talk, you know, like the Boba Fett trailer and everything is like, I can't be over the moon excited about everything the way it seems like. And I've said this for years on Geek Out Loud, <laughs> the idea of hyperbole on the Internet. Yeah, it's just it, it got out of control a long time ago in, in the realms of geekdom. And and so I, I think that. You have, and, and remember, I think the learning curves on both sides. I think Lucasfilm has had to go through a lot of learning and growing pains, yeah, to kind of understand what makes good universally accepted Star Wars. Because here's the truth: outside of a few things in Return of the Jedi, the original trilogy is universally loved. Yeah, you know. And, and, and it, or I'll, let me say this, it was universally loved back, you know, back in the, back in the day, back when it first, first came about that you'd have people argue over Ewoks and that was about it, you know, and even, and I've even said, I didn't know people didn't like Ewoks until I got on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I think that, you know, George Lucas, who was the storyteller, it was his prerogative to do what he wanted to do with the prequels. But you can even see him try to right the ship through episodes two and three um, from what happened with Phantom Menace, which I love Phantom Menace, and I know you do too. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but, it's, but it's no secret that people 
had issues with particularly Jar Jar Binks, mm-hmm. you know, and and look at how much he is pulled out of the out of the narrative. By the time you get to episode three, he's just one quick excuse me, you know, and you see him at Padme's funeral. Dello Felagets. Yeah, well, that's it. And see, that's episode two. And so you, he was he was pulled back hard. Yeah. And I don't know that he was meant to not be in the rest of the movies in a more prominent role originally. I, I don't know. But it, it seemed like that was a response to what fans were saying. But it's also interesting in each of those movies, there's something all the fans loved. Mm-hmm. You know, fans universally loved Darth Maul. Yeah, and and I've always said the John Williams score is something that no one ever had a problem with. Um, people universally loved it when Yoda got went nuts, you know, and sparked a saber and 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 did his thing. So I, it, it's interesting to me that you know, even George Lucas had his missteps based on the fact that he had a story he wanted to tell, and and by God, he told a story, and good for him, you know, and. And so we all had to learn how to be corporate Star Wars, <laughs> I think is really what it comes down to. And find and you and it's hard to find creators. It's hard to find creatives who can thread that needle of of being corporately successful in their storytelling, mm, but also yeah. be artistically have artistic integrity in it, if that makes sense. It's I mean, and it's it's such a challenge too. I think it's harder now. I think we brought this up on the show last week. I think uh, it's it's almost harder now. I think for a filmmaker, uh, a franchise filmmaker, to have that integrity in the storytelling process because the audience is is more and more involved. Scott Scott Reif and I were talking about this uh, last week on the on the show when he was when he was on it. And it's it is so difficult to when you have not just a vocal fandom that's passionate, it's going to have opinions, but they're they're very much. Like the the, creator, the creators are so accessible, more so than they've ever been. Right, uh, right and and yeah. so like and and you you watch the behind the scenes of the Last Jedi, and you see Ryan Johnson like in boardroom meetings scrolling through Twitter, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, look what they're saying about this now." And I, and, and and that's got to make it really difficult to kind of maintain an integrity of as a storyteller. Yeah. Well, you know what? And here's the thing: I, there's also this idea of. How do you then navigate those waters? You know, George Lucas, old, old dude, you know, old school guy. He wasn't going, he knew what the backlash was, but he pressed forward in telling his story. He didn't go on a, a a tour to explain, (laughs) you know, and to demand that people understand what his point was. He said, here was my story and, and, and take it or leave it, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think that, because George at his heart is an auteur, you know, that's what he, he was. This is the guy who broke away from the studio system because of five minutes of American graffiti, you know, (laughs) literally, I mean, five minutes of film that was altered or edited and he didn't approve it. And he's like, well, I'm done with this. Which, and I, and I finally sat down and watched American graffiti last year during COVID. Oh yeah. Um, just cause I wanted to actually, I, I, as a lifelong star Wars fan, I can't believe I hadn't seen it, but, I've um, never seen it myself. I'll just say that right now. It's, it's, it's so of its era and it's so hard to imagine that film. It's so different than star Wars in so many ways. Even like here in hindsight, where you're looking for the connection, it's really not there. And I could, it's hard, but you can, I can totally see that movie like where your studio here, like, we just need to cut these five minutes. What does it matter? I'm done with you. Yeah. 
I finished. Um, Me and Coppola are going to San Francisco. That's right. But you know, like literally, that's that's, and I and I know for him it was a big deal. It was an artistic choice that he didn't want made for his movies, and I get that. That's fine. But but at the same time, um, you know, so he so everything he did beyond that. I mean, when you think about the star, the first six Star Wars films, mm. they are independent films, regardless of the budget that they had. They're independent films. There was no studio telling George Lucas, you need to change this, fix this, do this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and so, like I say, and I think, I guess it's been, I guess it was the rise of Skywalker when I think all that kind of settled in on me. I'm like, you know, and, and, I, and I'm a hard-headed, so it took me a while. I'm like, <laughs> you know what, this, and, and what it was, Riley, was I got enraptured in Rise of Skywalker. Like I didn't get into any of the other sequel trilogy. Oh, okay. It's like when I, I had no expectations for it, and and I went in and I thought I, I almost went in with my arms crossed, thinking I'm just doing this because I've seen the others at this point. Yeah. And 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 when they start out and it's like you know the a voice from the past and all that stuff, I'm like, okay, all right, you know. And there's the emperor talking to Kylo Ren. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> I, they've wanted to do this since Dark Empire, you know. I I can't, you know. That's fine. And and then next thing I know, they're on a quest to find the other Wayfinder to find Exegol. And I'm like, this is something that really hasn't been done in a Star Wars movie. Mm, yeah, we haven't had the quest for this thing. You know, you 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 had Luke who was going to fight the enemy. You had you know to blow up the Death Star and 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 then go to save his friends. But there was, ne you know, and even Return of the Jedi was like, look, another mission we've got going here. And, mm. and you had the whole family drama that was going on. Even in the prequels, there was it, there was the mystery of who is the Sith, who's pulling the strings. And even though we knew, but you never had that. Here is this object we have to find to save the galaxy. It, it, yeah. was, it was, it was, this, and so suddenly I'm invested. I'm like, this is really, here is something that, and, and I think that's what, first pulls me in is I'm like, we're doing something we've never done in Star Wars and it fits the storytelling of Star Wars. You know, it it's the it's the quest to Mount Doom. It's all this other stuff. So then as they're fighting at the end, you know, and everything's happening at the end and Poe's like, I'm sorry, my friends, we've lost and and you hear the you hear, you know, Sam, I'm sorry, Lando come over the um <laughs> intercom and like, no, Poe, we're all here. And yeah. all of the ships show up and everything. My wife, at the time we were watching together, and she said she looked over at me in the theater and she said, I got to meet a Steve in that moment that I've never met before, I've never seen before. I got to see little Steve. Mm. You know, she's yeah. like, you were so just lit up with joy. And I was because I was like, look at all the Star Wars ships and some of them I recognize and look at that. And, you know, it was just kind of just a really neat, fun thing to see. And, and then... You know, you come down to the end and there's all the voices, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, and so you're trying to pick out who's who and what's what and everything. And then he says, I am all the Sith. And she gets up and says, and I am all the Jedi. <laughs> and I, and then it hit me. I'm like, somebody's seen Endgame. Yeah. You know, somebody saw Endgame. Somebody heard Thanos say, I told you I'm inevitable. And, and Tony Stark say, and I am Iron Man. Um, you know, and somebody saw Sam say on your left cap while he was standing there alone. Uh, and, and, and I was just like, 
that's the kicker right there. This is corporate Star Wars. Mm. This this movie was meant to be as safe as possible to to try to draw back fans that were lost from the second film. Yeah, I, it it kind of lived up to the promise of these incredible trailers that really, you know, unashamedly returned to the core nostalgia of of the original trilogy, really. Yep. And and they and it those trailers promised a lot, but I, I still remember like we did um we we're doing a live uh, a live stream reaction to the Rise of Skywalker trailer release and and uh Scott um Scott Rifen was on with us and I I just to me I was blown away. I loved it. But it kind of in the same way it didn't really sink in in the same way as I'm sure as it did for Scott, an original trilogy guy and he's so moved by that um by that trailer and the sort of epic you know heavy kettle drum version of the of the main theme as 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 the kind of iconic imagery of the um the characters and the vehicles and the the visuals that represent a mythology that defined a generation and that they leaned into that so so heavily and i think that honestly considering considering the divisiveness of the uh preceding films and and just considering trying to forget what the story itself is, but just being the director that launches this triumphant, at the time, almost universally beloved return of this franchise, mm-hmm. and then trying to suddenly then bookend it, having not had any part of the middle of the story. Like, when you consider that, J.J. I, I, J. Abrams, I think, is still criminally underrated by... Uh, swaths of the fandom that that, that it just understanding kind of giving him credit for for what he did accomplish in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I I do I think that I think that Rise of Skywalker had was a make good. It had to be for yeah. him. I you know I, I've made I've made no secret of my thoughts of the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I was absolutely disappointed by it and and then disgusted by the way fans just went at each other over a movie that they did not make, you know, (laughs) Uh, and, and, and found myself in a position where I could not, you know, for a time you couldn't voice your opinions on the matter, or you got called hateful things. If you disagreed with, you know, the, you know, with the other side, you were either a shill for Disney or you were Mm. some type of ist or phobe or something, you know, and, and and that's unfortunate because it, it 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 prevented people from being able to have honest conversations about what really is Star Wars hmm. and 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 fans to really examine why do I like this why don't I like this and 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 I feel like that the biggest misstep, and this is where Lucasfilm has had to learn to do Star Wars, <laughs> is I think the biggest misstep was, and it's something they've admitted to, is we didn't really set out with a full-on skeletal outline of where we were going. Yeah. You know, we were just going to hand it from director to director to director. And and even Kevin Feige, you know, stepped in and made sure that there was a cohesive um, underpinning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at to the detriment of some films early on. You know, there are people who say that Iron Man was really Iron Man Two was really weak because it was used to set up so much of what would come after with Thor yeah. and Captain America and the Avengers. And there were people who said that you know 
um, Age of Ultron was very weak. And one of the criticisms of Age of Ultron was too much emphasis on um, the whole Infinity Stone situation. Mm-hmm. You know that that would be that would play through the rest. And and then of course the Edgar Wright situation with Ant Man. We still don't really know to this day the story behind all that. Like where was the 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 discrepancy yeah. with what Edgar Wright wanted to do and what Feige wanted to do. But <clears throat> as the keeper of that kingdom, you know, Kevin Feige made those calls and said, no, we can't do this. And, and unfortunately, I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy did that. I think Kathleen Kennedy saw an up and coming filmmaker. And that's the other thing, you know, an up and coming filmmaker mm-hmm. in Ryan Johnson. And I, he hadn't done much at the time that he did Last Jedi. Let's all be honest. Looper was his big deal. Yeah him on the map and and rather than you know have this guy this young director under the tutelage of someone you know a little more seasoned who kind of understood the the jj abrams turned down star wars initially if you recall yeah because he understood the enormity of that responsibility and i really think had jj abrams stayed on and been a guiding voice for Orion Johnson, what we would have had, and, and had Ryan Johnson had someone else involved in the storytelling with him, I think we would have had one of the most significant Star Wars films, you know, since The Phantom Menace. Hmm. Because I think that that the way that Ryan Johnson wanted to tell that story, to change the visual language, to do some things, you know, just from a filmmaking standpoint that had not been done in Star Wars while I would have had an issue with them based on, you know, this is not how Star Wars is made, I would have respected them. The problem that came down to is 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 that in the name of um, subverting expectations, I feel like some, some key character elements and missteps and story were made. So, yes, you're right. To come back from that divisiveness and to do what J.J. Abrams did to tie everything up with, the rise of Skywalker. I think that, you know, because obviously JJ had a vision going mm. into force awakens for where, where this would go. And I think he intended for it to be obvious for whoever took the reins behind him. He, he, he made a film that, as you said, was universally well received. Yeah. Even for those of us that were slow on the uptake and we were there together and I was slow on the uptake of, mm-hmm. of coming around on that movie. But even for those of us that were a little slow on the uptake, um, eventually we kind of received it pretty well and saw what, what he was doing and why it needed to be done. And I think that one of his things was it just has to be this way so that it's got to be a softball for the next person to hit a home run. Yeah. And, and when that wasn't done, I don't, you know, I don't know who else would have come, been able to come in and fix it. You know what I mean? Not fix is the wrong word. Who would have been able to come in and to, to satisfactorily wrap everything up? Yeah, you know. no, I think I, I think so. I, I it's it's kind of an enlightening moment for me, Steve, because I I honestly haven't really sat down and and really appreciated the rise of Skywalker, particularly J.J. Abrams' direction with it, yeah. um, as much as I'd like to. It's it's I've only seen it, I think two uh, three times. I want to say about three times, yeah, which is I'm about the same. I've watched it about three times, and 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 I think what keeps me from watching it again is I don't want to lose the goodwill I have for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that if I continue to watch it, I'll lose any goodwill I have for it. Um, you know, and that, and I think that's another crime of these 
of this era of Star Wars right now is there was so much, and I don't want to sound overly critical, but I think there was so much about the films that were put out mm-hmm. that, that was unfortunately a little bit forgettable. Um, you know, you don't hear people talking about the iconic characters in Solo. Yeah. Um, you, you don't you don't see people, you know, and there were some, and there were some that I feel like were killed off way too early, you know, and in the and and I'm afraid in the name of of something else that that you know for the just for reasons that go beyond storytelling sometimes I think there's some decisions that are made yeah but that's neither here nor there um I, I, when you consider in the Disney era of Star Wars the moments that stand out to most people I, and I I don't think I'm wrong in this I really do think it's Vader at the end of Rogue One mm-hmm. and um and maybe that's about it you know maybe people talk about how how gorgeous the the fight scene with Rey and Kylo was in the throne room in, in The Last Jedi. But it's still not spoken of in, like, hushed, revered tones the way that, that Vader moment was, you know? No, I was trying... I, I think you're kind of describing something that really landed a punch. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like... I mean, the one that landed a punch in terms of trailers in anticipation, but I don't think it's the same, is the, uh, the Chewie were home oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to go trailer wise, yes, I don't I don't think it gets better than Chewie were home, but it's uh, but it is a different context than yes, than within context, the film. Yes. Context being what is vitally important. Yes, and you're right. You're exactly right. Yeah, I think that I think that it Rogue One is interesting because it's a movie that should not have been successful, based on what no. we know of the production issues and everything, and and it ends up being one that works really well that people really I think have a fondness for and I've actually watched more than I I've probably watched that more than I've watched any of the sequel trilogy films mm. is is Rogue One but then you come along and 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 I'm I'm going to try to help us segue out of this discussion that people didn't want to tune into here um, <laughs> no I'm I'm then, keeping you pinned down here actually for for a bit a minute but you're saying but then comes but then comes um Favreau mm. and Filoni and 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 the team up of you know all team ups you know and 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 they bring us the Mandalorian, yeah. And 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 like in all sincerity, as you think about that show, you think about I think about the very first episode, and the end, when that when that when that cradle opens up, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and and there is Baby Yoda, or fifty year old Yoda. <laughs> It makes no sense to me that a 50-year-old is not developed enough to speak, but that's fine. That's none of my business. You know, I, I, let's not forget, he's not really a baby. He's 50. Um, <laughs> and and what, regardless of how he physically matures, are you tell me that he's mentally not maturing the right way? Because then that really strips away Yoda's 900 years of wisdom. But that's none of my business. What? But anyhow, yeah, so Baby Yoda is absolutely the most shocking, one of the greatest, most pleasant surprises in Star Wars in years. Mm. And and then you go through into and and I mean Riley, how much of and I know you've probably talked this to death on the show, and so I'm just retrading things that I haven't really Mm-mm. talked a lot no. about, I guess. But but how much felony was it to go through into the once you hit that second season? Like the first season was just like let us establish for you the Mandalorian yes. and his supporting cast, and we got a few you know, Easter eggs here and there, you know, and suddenly you have all these Mandalorians come out and fight in that one big episode, you know, at the end and, and you have the dude salute. And I'm like, don't salute. You're a Mandalorian. 
Um, <laughs> just give them a nod. Be cool about it. Give them a nod. Move on. But um, but yeah, you have all of this. You have all these great characters created, right? Mm-hmm. That go through this first season, and then when and then at the end of that first season, when Gideon lights up the dark saber. To all of us who walk through Clone Wars and Rebels together, we all knew what that meant. And it's like, wow, this is really, really neat. But then you open up that second season, and we're on Tatooine fighting crate dragons. And here's Cobb Vanth wearing Boba Fett's armor. And then there's this bald dude that's Tam Morrison looking over <laughs> everything as, as Mando is leaving with his armor. And you're just like, what? What is about that? Dave Filoni, you're going to keep us in suspense with this till season five, aren't you? And then here comes Boba Fett kicking butt and taking names and putting on this armor and doing some amazing things. And, 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 and you're getting, you're getting stuff that only Dave Filoni would give and bring in, you know, like I know that Favreau is a star Wars fan, but I think it's, I think it is foolishness to not think that Dave Filoni wasn't talking to John the whole time being like, Hey man, what the fans really are going to want to see is this. Oh, you see it so much in those behind the scenes too. Yes, John yes. always kind of talks about Dave as sort of his like George Lucas whisperer. Right. And then for the show, for the, for the season rather to wrap up with, with Luke Skywalker finally getting his moment the way Darth Vader had gotten his moment. Mm. And it's just like this show has been primarily for the most part, so unifying with the fandom. Um, you know, it, it really, it's like, oh, someone's getting it right now. Someone's getting it because it feels like Star Wars. It feels like a Western. It has the fantasy aspect to it. It's got the sci-fi aspect to it, yep. you know, and, and you're moving, you're progressing a, a, a unique story forward and you're throwing in enough that we don't know that we don't know where we're going. Hmm. And so now, you know, here comes this book of Boba Fett thing and you're just like, how how can my little heart take anymore? You know, it looks so good. It it looks I'm, you know I, I know this is one of the things we want to talk about. So we'll get into that. I guess I don't want to take your show over. That's no, no, we will. I, I I will say this. We're gonna tag the show. We're gonna talk about the trailer. I've got other new uh, a few other news items that we, I'm we're gonna hit later in the week and next week because I want to just ask you about Boba Fett at this point. I mostly want to talk about Boba Fett, and we'll tag at the end of the show. Uh, here's a, as a little tease. Um, I've got a sort of parting shot that'll kind of be a nice sandwich to the opening t- um, comments. And Steve, I want to kind of talk to you about Geek Out Loud a little bit. Uh, uh, but I will say this. Um, I'm actually taking a break for a moment because I don't have, we don't have a sponsor. We don't have a Patreon to plug anymore. So it's been very quiet, except for I have... right. Hang on, right here. Right here. <clears throat> right here is a... Uh, let me just crackle this packing paper. Uh, a small shoebox size... A box of Star Wars goodies from the one and only Bethany Blanton, who just also got married. Look at it. Yes. We talked about this off air. Look at us all getting married. I know. (laughs) It took us all long enough. (laughs) Um, But uh, but no, she just just completed a move and had a box of of Star Wars stuff that she wanted to uh, give away on the Star Wars Report because she also knows that we're in our sort of final ramp down. And so this includes uh, just a couple of quick things. I won't say everything. But, uh, speaking of Rogue One, a Jin Urso and a uh, K2SO Funko Pop, uh, a copy of the Force Unleashed novel, a Star Wars R2-D2 battery pack, and a hardcover uh, limited New York Comic Con exclusive 
cover signed edition of Star Wars. It's which which Thrawn book is this? Thrawn Alliances, signed by Timothy Zahn, the original oh, author. Yeah. So this uh, we got some stickers, some other fun knickknacks that are also thrown in. So it's a a giveaway. It's going to be a random draw from you guys who email the podcast this week. Star Report at gmail dot com. Subject line giveaway and uh, toss in some of your suggested uh, topics and guests that you want in the ramp up of the next oh, 20 or so episodes as we wind down. And I'm just going to mail it off to one of you guys this week. So there you go. Look at that little prize. Mm. We'll, uh, talk radio style. Okay, we're we're actually going to get into it now, ladies and gents. Let's do some let's do some news. We have something to report. The closer I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. It's here. The book of Boba Fett trailer. Uh, we're going to break it down, folks. But what better way to kick it off than actually uh, playing? I'll, I'll play at least a little excerpt of the audio here. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Boba Fett. Kingpin? <laughs> Here it is. Uh, Steve, I just got to get your, your first top of the line take. Uh, this just came out yesterday as we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot that's fun to see in this, but not a lot happens in this. I, I don't know, you know... Uh, Look, there there's a lot of interesting things I like so much about it, but but if I had a critique, it's just like you gave me an official trailer, but normally a trailer's going to say here's what it's about and here's something to really catch your attention at the end. Mm. And they really didn't do that. There was not that little stinger at the end that most trailers have that they're like, "All right, you go you I got to tune in to figure that out." But um golly, it's so cool to see Jabba's palace and a Bomar monk and um, mm. to, to see one of the things that's interesting is that voice that sounds like Pedro Pascal, you know, the Mandalorian himself is, is coming. I think from that Ithorian that's sitting there Yep, mm-hmm. and he's using technology that we saw in the rebels show with the Ithorian that ran the, the little bar. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. And so he's using a, a and so as, as he's talking and I do think that's Pedro Pascal's voice, but as he's saying that, you can hear the undertones of the and it's you know it's the Ithorian speaking. So I think that that's one of the things that's really neat that stands out to me. It's great to see classic aliens and stuff. Like there's so much that I just dig about what we're seeing here. I think that's the 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 biggest I think thing that I'm most excited about that I liked most about the trailer was the the classic original trilogy uh, imagery. Like you open up your trailer with a shot of Tatooine and a Bomar monk freaking skitter, skittering across the screen. I think yeah. it makes such a statement, but it is, it was missing the big, like into the trailer, like, um, Hulk at the end of the Thor trailer showing yeah, up in his armor kind of thing. Grab, yeah. The thing that kind of grabs you. Yeah. 
Uh, sure. Which I'm I'm surprised by. And the other thing that I've noticed is sort of the iconography, both the 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 poster that was released this last week, um, and even from the trailer, is just how closely they've tied the character of Finnick Shand to uh, Boba Fett. It's kind of it's almost if you just looked at the marketing material, like they see this as sure it's Book of Boba Fett, but there's almost this this buddy cop element where they're they're together in almost every shot. Yeah. Well, you know, I, but. The thing is, is it makes sense because he saved her life, mm-hmm. and so I, she, so she is now acting. I guess. I mean, I'm speculating, of course, almost like someone who owes a life debt. Yeah. And and so and what better and who better to hook your you know hook your cart to than this than this racehorse that survived the Sarlacc pit. Yep. Has you know has reclaimed his armor and his status. You know. In the midst of a apparently a imperial resurrection, and you know has now come in and in his own job is thrown. I, I you know I think she it's just a matter of her. Now that that kind of leads to an interesting question because in this world and Riley, let's let's go back a few years. <laughs> Let us never forget thirteen thirteen. Ah, uh, yeah. How long? How long has the fandom been wanting and even the creators within Lucasfilm been wanting to? do some type of underworld centric mm-hmm. show, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is going to be it. I mean, this is going to be, I feel like this is going to be kind of like Godfather with Boba Fett. Mm. Yeah. Which I mean, the idea of Boba Fett, the crime Lord is to me far more compelling than, you know, Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, because we've, it, the tale certainly not on screen, but there are plenty of, comics and books where you can go read about Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, Boba Fett, the crime Lord. Like that's a new, interesting dynamic, you know, right in the heart of a time period, right after return of the Jedi that I am fascinated by. And I'm so excited that we get to to explore that more. Well, it's interesting because if you go back to the old EU, Boba Fett was never, you know, like they made him the Mandalore Mm -hmm. and, you know, he, he became this, this leader of all these other Mandalore, and and then he ended up looking for Kaminoans to replace his limbs, and you know it it just became this kind of weird thing where they, where as happened in the old EU, you got fixated on this one aspect of a character, and you pigeonholed that character or even that character's race mm-hmm. into this type of individual for the rest of the whole time. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. you think of, like, Rodians were all bad smugglers, you know, or bad bounty hunters, and, and Boba Fett was, like, the greatest of all time, and there was no, never anyone better, that sort of thing. Well, here, it's like, no, we're going to actually allow the character to expand and grow. Yes. He didn't, he didn't bust out of the Sarlacc pit just to go back to basic bounty hunting. Yeah. He doesn't need to do that. Um, he, he got his armor, and now he's got his, his throne. And he sees a way that things can be done and be more profitable because ultimately what Boba Fett's got to be all about is profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. So it's, you know, but there there are questions. Is there an underlying, outside of just the power and the profit, is there some underlying reason that Boba Fett's doing this? Does he have Boba Fett, you know, did he ever really get his revenge on the Jedi? Is is that maybe still driving him a little bit? You know, um, it would definitely pit him against Luke Skywalker, especially if these they're trying to tie some of these series together in the coming years. Right, 
Right. You know, and, 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 and it leads you to, to understand that the only reason he helped Grogu was because of the commitment he made to, uh, to the Mandalorian. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so, so there are a lot of neat questions and things in, in ways they could go. But like, I, like Riley, I just, I don't know who put this trailer together, of course, but they're really, I, I think they're really banking on like, like you and I were saying, like, here are the, here are these images that you love. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're going to, to have because there's that whole scene where the one Barada dog face guy, I don't know what that <laughs> alien species is, but you know, he's like, we I just, why don't I just kill you? And Fennec Shan's like, if this were Jabba, you'd be dead. You know, he'd be feeding you to his menagerie. Yeah. Well, nothing really happens then. It's like, but it's like, all right, let's just talk. And I'm just like, what? That doesn't hook me. You know, mm. I'm hooked because it's the book of Boba Fett, you know, and it's and, and it's spinning out of what we saw at the end of the Mandalorian. That's what's hooking me. But, you know, there was just it was just a weird to me. It was like a weird way to end the trailer, I guess. I don't know. I expected something <laughs> a little more like I'm going to make him an offer. You can't refuse kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, and they, I think they also sort of missed the, an opportunity um, they they sort of show us different crime lords and his his sort of his rise to wanting to you know take the place of uh, Jabba the Hutt. But right. I, I think that there would be there's a na- there was a natural opportunity to kind of explore, um, you know, the Star Wars underworld. You know, that famously that was the live action show that George was working on. Right. Um, right. But um, the idea of exploring the Star Wars underworld where you're pitting um, the 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 Hutt clans versus Boba Fett and his compadres versus the Pikes or versus, you know, these elements that we saw in the Clone Wars, we we saw bits and pieces of it. And I think that um, that idea of the, uh, the bounty hunter wars storyline that they're doing right now in the comics, something like that would have brought in some more, I guess, core elements of natural conflict. The idea of, you know, Boba Fett, natural enemy of the Jedi, natural enemy of, you know, Jabba the Hutt since, got thrown in the sarlacc pit trying to work for him so you could see some natural friction points that they don't really explore per se yeah it is interesting you know there's some there's some stuff that's happening i guess it's on tatooine i assume it is there's freaking Uh, tuscan raiders there's a desert i mean yeah and but it's it's the whole it's the whole shot where they're in that town and the guys are all dressed similarly to one another and they've got their shields oh yeah yeah powering up and everything and and Boba Fett's helmet hits the ground and like credits fall out of it or something you know and, <laughs> yeah and so th- there are some things I'm like what's going on there what's you know and then Boba Fett finally breaks bad a little bit on somebody and knocks him down and looks like he's kind of hitting him with some kind of staff or weapon or something yeah but, uh, but it, it really it's interesting to me what's really interesting is it is a trailer uh, that is devoid of action a lot of action and yeah. and that and that's rare for a star wars trailer it is it is it's a world of difference from the um, the clone wars trailers we got so used to right yep 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 even i would even say it's it's a lot different from some of the mandalorian trailers you know we saw Mm. that there's there seem to be a lot more people on the move in those things a lot more i I don't know it just it's it's a really it's just interesting the way this thing was put together yeah but i do like all of the shots we're getting of boba fett i like I like this look for mm-hmm. Boba Fett, you know, with the black 
underclothes under the armor kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, instead of the gray kind of jumpsuit deal that he had for so long, you know, that we're familiar with from the original trilogy and all. It's nice to see an evolution of that of that look yes, for him. For sure. And you know, that that started in the Mandalorian and, and keep on. It's great to see that Tam Morrison is doing this thing and um you know, all you mm. gotta do is just kind of watch some interviews and stuff with him and mm. Love, who doesn't love Tim? He's Morrison? what such a happy guy. I've I've interviewed him once right. years ago, and he's yep. such a happy guy. Famously, if you guys have listened a while, you've heard me play him. He unprompted started singing uh, the Georgia song. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, it was Dragon Con. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I'm. I, it couldn't happen to a better guy. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm just happy that that. Right. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have him back. You know, you hate it for Daniel Logan, but he's just not old enough to play that character at yeah this point. i mean if you're wanting grizzled like acid stained boba fett that sounds like an insult but there's one guy you go to like tim morrison right. is a grizzled dude so yeah we got some trandoshans at the table with him there i'm watching this thing like in point 25 speed right now is what kind of we're talking about it yeah refresh my memory but i i don't know what those aliens are called i know the one alien from the cell barge was always barada yeah, we've got. Uh, there are some. I'm going off of memory. I was reading a breakdown. They're, they're Clatuinians. There were Aqualish, and of course, Twi'leks. Twi'leks are back. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a pretty good selection. How do you feel about the not fat Gamorrean guards? Like the dad bod Gamorrean guards? Look, it looks weird. The same thing in The Mandalorian when they yeah. showed up. It looked weird. Yeah. It, it was. Well, it was. Be, you know, it's <laughs> their little legs. <laughs> It was right. the, it's because like they obviously had just kind of painted the leg human legs green because they're like well they're not as heavy so they're not wearing you know a fat suit of any kind but it was it looked weird but i feel like they need to be wearing fat suits if i'm being honest like i <laughs> I, I just can't that this is one and i'm look i know i'm an old fogey and it's like we're back in my day i just <laughs> having a having a gamorian guard on my shelf since 1983 mm-hmm I just, I, I really have a hard time with these dad bod shirtless Gamorrean guards we got going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, some of those original trilogy um, aliens, practical effects aliens, I, I feel like are hard to recreate. Well, I don't know if it's they're hard to recreate or if you, like, if you see one of the things they've done with these, these, these updated or these new shows and stuff is mm-hmm. we're seeing these creatures on screen in better lighting for a yeah, longer amount of time. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I and think so, you think job is how uh, palace 1983, all super dark super lighting, dark dingy. You have to kind of squint to see in the background of what's going on there. And, and if you look too close for too long, you begin to see the, the puppeteering tricks and that sort of thing mm-hmm. going on in, in that, you know, you, you see the animatronics just doing the same thing over and over again. You see that there's just, you know, in some instances, no movement at all. It's just a big old thing up against a wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so try. I I don't know if it's just the practicality of of the fat suits. You know. Yeah, I, in Mandalorian, uh, it, it's a little. It can be hit and miss with the um, the suits and practical effects pieces mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Like like think Queel from season one. I think nearly perfect execution. Like so well yep. done, yep. Uh, but then I think about Ahsoka, and I and I honestly think they could have done a much better job just from a visual makeup uh, uh, standpoint. Um, I, I think I think with Ahsoka, 
they're they're lot. Everyone's complaining about like the lecu or the headtails or whatever, yeah. whatever the technical term is for them. I think the problem with Ahsoka is the translation from animated to real life. It's tough. Is a tough transition to make because regardless of how even she looked, I mean, it was a hard transition to make, honestly, from Clone Wars Ahsoka to Rebels Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not, and it took a while before I got used to seeing that version of Ahsoka in, in Rebels, you know, and it not look, because her eyes weren't drawn so big and everything, but she was still animated and stylized. Mm -hmm. And the only, um, uh, one of her speech, Sagrudan, is that what she is? Mm Mm-hmm. The only one of her species that we ever really see on screen in Star Wars in the live action is Shakti. Shakti. And that's, and that's what was that? Oh, I, I just enthusiastically said Shakti. I had such a crush on Shakti as a teenager. Okay. I'm not even going to well, lie. <laughs> we, and we only see her from a distance, you know. Um, we never really get a super close-up, long look at her. And so, no, yeah. and I think that's for a reason because the, those, the, those practical effects are, are tough. They're tough. You're right. It's hard. It's hard with the costuming and everything for it to not look like costuming. Mm-hmm. Proof. The proof of that again. Another proof from Star Wars itself is, go go watch the Cantina song from um, the Holiday Special mm-hmm. with B. Yeah. Arthur. You know, <laughs> you have these great costumes that are not lit right. Yeah. Or not lit correctly, I should say. Let me not. Let me not come <laughs> on here and sound like a total hick on your show, Rob. Right? Um, but they're not they're not lit very correctly. So you again you see the zipper. You don't really see the zippers per se, but you see the flaws in the costume. Yes. Similarly, some stuff in the Ewok Adventure and the Battle for Endor. You know, it it's just it's the way they're shot and, and the way that they're lit and how long they're on screen. I, I just think that you know my, I guess my thing is if you can't get the Gamorrean guards like we know them don't use them or use them the way they got used, you yeah. know, because fat suit technology has only improved over the years, Riley. That, There's that no way true. that fat suit technology has not improved. Yeah. Well, and we, we almost, we know that there's, um, that with the volume, they have exact perfect control of the lighting conditions. Yeah, that's it, true. It yeah. maybe it's almost like it's access to too much technology where it, the temptation is to, is to over, you know, light and make scenes a little bit too bright and perfectly right. lit. And I think maybe sometimes restraint might be in order. Um, I'd be interested to see, especially some of the shots in book of Boba Fett do look, uh, I'm just, as I scroll through, I, I do like some of the, um, the creepy interior lighting of the shots inside Jabba's palace. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Seem, they're getting I, it right. You know what, what, I, what I've enjoyed seeing is there at the end, you have kind of the, the, or not the end, but there's a shot in, maybe it's the beginning. I need to find it. Where it's just the throne, mm, where it's yeah. just the throne, and it's got the two rancor heads on the side. And everything I'm loving the design of that. Yeah, you know, I like. Gosh, Riley, you know how long it's been since I just sat and broke down a trailer like this. <laughs> you know, but even like the Bomar Monk, like to watch that thing come crawling out. Yeah, well, you notice we, that even the little touch they tried to cut the way it's animated is is kind of stop motiony. Mm-hmm. And the only time we ever saw that is like a background shot. Mm-hmm. You know. C-3PO looks over to his his left as he's walking into Jabba's door and sees it and goes, oh, you know, but then you just kind of see it go on about its business. You you never really see it fully lit like this, and it looks like the little mail-away toy just come to life on mm-hmm. screen. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it is. Is that a pit droid that's handing him his helmet at the very beginning of the thing? Oh, I don't have the shot up. It'd be kind of interesting. Like Twelve seconds in. It'd be kind of interesting if they, if it was. I think it is. I mean, there's, like, there's pit droids in Mandalorian so far, so that's true. Yeah, we've we've encountered. I I love those. Like I'm, you know, I'm a prequel kid. I always like the the little prequel shout outs too. So, yeah. give me some pit droids. Give me some Bomar monks. I'm happy. I just I'm wondering like. Or do they leave Tatooine to go to like another desert type planet, like a Navarro kind of thing? Possibly that one exterior shot of the the city in the in the barren crater. I'd seen some speculation online that maybe that was Mos Espa or Mos Eisley. It's not. I think it's a new city on Tatooine or another desert or, planet. I, here's the thing: if it's if it is Mos Eisley or Mos Espa, then it, they have expanded and sunk. Yeah. Um, you know, or they have just put themselves out of the edge of Beggar's Canyon or something, because that is that city fills up the whole expanse of mm-hmm. the canyon, but then it also goes across the top as well. Yeah, almost as far as the eye can see, and that very well look, and it could very well be. Um, you know, I mean, it's been, but I don't know that within what is this? Is this supposed to be like five or six years after Return of the Jedi? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, I don't think it's changed that much since then. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. there's no way it's grown that much in a few years. Yeah, I'm um, looking. I'm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting uh, visually. I mean, it's this giant freaking crater. Yeah, right. It's it's almost like a mini Utapau, uh, mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah, but it it's it's like a canyon, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. like it's it's got the just the sharp drop off walls yep. and just kind of a flat expanse. Um, there's there is a meat spit behind that throne seal. Just roasting meat all the time in Jabba's <laughs> Palace. Hooked up to a pod racer engine, just like at Galaxy's Edge. Just Available <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, uh, like I say, I, we had to at least get to the, the big news story of the week, which is, of course, the, the trailer yeah. breakdown. Steve, I appreciate you you're breaking it down for me. but I, um, I'm looking forward to it, dude. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's kind of my final say on this, is Damn. I am looking forward to it. They've proven to me, they've shown me that they can do TV pretty well. So. It's almost, there's a confidence in their lack of reveals. Like, they, they don't feel like they have True. to get us sucked in. That there's like, no, nope, no, it's Boba it's the Boba director Fett. on all this? I know it's, um, is it Robert? It's not Robert, Robert Rodriguez. Is the, definitely, he's one of the executive producers, and I know he directed at least a few episodes. Okay. Uh, but I think they did recently, I feel like I remember... Um, than releasing the list of directors. Riley, can I tell you how annoyed I am that I just asked that question? <laughs> there was a day when if I were listening to a Star Wars podcast <laughs> and the host had the unmitigated gall to have someone on who did not know who the director or the producer <laughs> of the show was, I would have been like, why are they even having this person on the oh show? Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Uh, so I want to apologize to you. And to your listeners, because they deserve better. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it, this says Robert Rodriguez has an episode. Favreau's got an episode. Yep. Maloney and Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas so. Howard. There you go. Yep. I just, yeah, I found it on the on the old Wikipedia. Uh, it's true. True story. And I think um, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good roster. Yeah. Well, listen, they, I mean, like what, look, Favreau is building a team. He is, he's kind of building a team that is, and mm-hmm. I think that the consistency of the directors and, and producers on these types of shows are going to be very, very key mm-hmm. in in the quality of what comes 
what comes down the road. Yes. Like the, like the Ahsoka show, like the Obi-Wan series, you know, all these different things, because the one thing that Star Wars had going for it for so long was the steady hand of George Lucas. Mm-hmm. You know, once, once he decided he was going to be involved in things like the Clone Wars, and I know that Filoni kind of ran that thing, but you know, Filoni's even said, you know, the more that show went on, the more George got involved because he recognized the, the means of storytelling and everything. And so yeah. I think it, as long as you can keep Favreau and Filoni involved in at least a producer type role, um, yeah. to just kind of be a guiding hand for this thing, then, um, then, then it'll be good stuff. It, it, I think, I think there'll be some consistency there. That here's a, there's, and there's, here's a, I think a, a little trivia fact I just read since I had the Wikipedia open that kind of, um, plays into your point here, Steve, which is it was only just recently announced that they're bringing in cinematographer uh, Dean Cundy, which I'm not enough of a film nerd to know who that is, except for the fact that it just said, oh, Academy Award winning cinematographer that's worked with Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg since the 70s. And he's come out, wow. he's coming out of retirement quite literally to work on this project. Yes. But wow. I think like that, that tells you a level of seriousness. Like this dude was Jurassic Park. He was Back to the Future. He was... Like you name it, any the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Big yep. Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his. I'm looking at some of his credits right now. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some big things here. He You're... worked with John Carpenter some apparently. Well, there's a reason the shots look good right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, indeed, indeed. He's a how he's interesting a... to get a guy like that involved in using technology like the the volume. That's you know what that that whole deal the volume to me it's like. There's not I don't feel like there's enough people talking about that mm. yeah. in in filmmaking as it is. No. Mm-mm. That that is such a game changing thing. And it, and it's probably the same way, you know, Lucas doing digital work so heavily in the prequels. I don't know that there's a lot of lot of directors that are feel comfortable with using something like that. Yeah. I don't I think, think they so. have to be sold on it. But man, can you imagine I mean a Michael Bay getting something like a volume? Mm-hmm. He could tear up a Transformers movie. Now. <laughs> awesome. You bet. You bet. Hey, Steve, I want you to give us a parting shot, all right? Okay. For the, I, I, I kind of wrote this down as a note, and I thought it would be a, a great way to sandwich the show after, after the kind of way we started reminiscing. But you started, uh, for those of you guys, most of you guys probably know, but for Geek Out Loud, like it's one of the first geek podcasts I ever uh, listened to. Early days, 2008, let's say end of 2008, I discovered Forcecast and Geek Out Loud all within a few months of each other. And, um, and I just remember you saying at the time, right, right as you were getting it off the ground, this was your way of like getting away from the negativity of the internet and mm-hmm. you're going to do something about it and have like just Geek Out Loud, which is just a time to like talk about things that you love in geekdom. And I thought if there's ever a time or a person to ask, especially here on, on, on this platform as we wrap up, you know, 10 years of Star Wars podcasting in your mind as a lifelong Star Wars fan, like advice to the listener, what do you think are the, the, the best ways to actually geek out about Star Wars? Cause I feel like it's gotten more complicated. Well, I think, I think that at some point you have to determine I'm not going to be able to consume everything. Mm. Um, I remember, I think it was Celebration 5, I was hanging out with um, Steve uh, Steve Mitchell from the 501st up in the Great Lakes Garrison. We we kind of met and got to be good friends, and, and, I, and we were just kind of walking around hanging out. We sat down at a table 
um, at one point just kind of to sit and rest our weary bones. And there was this dude sitting there and we got to kind of talking to him as you do at these conventions. And he was talking about how he'd seen the movies, but he hadn't watched any Clone Wars. He wasn't, you know, into the books or anything. He was into the video games. That's what he does. He was a gamer and he loved the Star Wars video games. Mm-hmm. And and I remember in that moment just kind of like, dude's cool with that. You know, he doesn't know he doesn't care that he's missing out on the Clone Wars, which is some awesome content. He but we had a cool discussion about well, what's happening in the game. And this was around the time of like the Force Unleashed and all. Yeah. You know, this was mm. this was when that was kind of hitting big and and stuff. And 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 it was just kind of neat to kind of realize there are people that aren't necessarily into reading every book and that sort of thing. And and honestly, as the movies started to come back out back in the late nineties, I dipped out of the out of the book situation because I, the books were for me just to hold over for until there were actual films. I never knew there were films coming, you know. But once they started coming again, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to follow this story along now, you know. And mm-hmm. I was okay to kind of set the books side of things down. Um, and uh, same thing with comics. Like, I, I don't know that I've picked up a Star Wars comic in the modern era, you know, outside of maybe a couple, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of see what's going on. But, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the ways you're going to be the most pleased is just doing, just focusing in on what it is you enjoy and being okay if people don't like it. You know, that I think that's the other thing. I think at some point, yeah. in, and this has been the case in geekdom forever. I, I it's Riley. I don't know if you've ever had this situation with non Star Wars fans in your life who look at you when they know you're a Star Wars fan and they say, "I'm sorry." They apologize for not being a Star Wars fan. <laughs> it has happened a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And and it's like, why are you apologizing? I don't care if you don't like it because I enjoy it. I don't. I don't need you to enjoy something for me to have enjoyed it. My yes. responsibility, if I don't enjoy something, is just not to dump all over it. Mm-hmm. you know to yeah. ruin your enjoyment of it i don't i don't know if you remember the force awakens when we went and saw it or not after the movie you know ev- i felt everyone look to me and say what'd you think yeah i remember this yeah and and my response was what'd you think <laughs> yeah and people would say i really liked it and i was like great i'm so glad you did mm-hmm. and i was hoping that would be the end of the discussion most people saw right through that ruse and realized <laughs> oh he didn't quite take to it as quickly as we'd like him to um, but my thing was, is I did not want to, you know, just mm-hmm. dump on stuff that people were enjoying and take away from people's enjoyment. I didn't want to rain on anyone's parade. Same thing yeah. with the last Jedi. I've been very open that I did not enjoy it, but I always try not to go off on it too much because I don't want to ruin people. And I think that's the key mm-hmm. to enjoying what you're geeking out about is just celebrate what you like and ignore what you don't. You know, it's not a cause <laughs> yeah. There are more important things, and I think that that's kind of the heart of Geek Out Loud has always been. Where we don't shy away from critique and criticism as long as it's honest and genuine and not hating for the sake of hating. Mm. And we celebrate what we enjoy and have fun with it at the same time. We're not scared of making jokes about stuff that we enjoy. We're not scared. We just enjoy what we enjoy, and we just kind of set to the side the stuff we don't and just roll with it. And I think that I think that that's a good secret for just about anything in life too you know celebrate the good and and fight against evil when you need to fight against evil but just disagreeing with you is not evil no it's true it's i I love how you put it steve it's it's it's, fandom isn't the cause it's interesting because star wars for me has always been 
like my fandom isn't a cause. I don't have to like evangelize or other people don't have to like it. I don't have to defend it. But instead it's the story itself, the mythology that kind of has always shaped who I am so that I can go out and like the proverbial fl- phrase is you know, blow up my Death Star, like right, fight yeah. my causes in the real world, not not in the Star Wars world. So well said, and I couldn't think of a better way to uh, wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. That's all for this episode. Episode 279. 200, 479. You have a lot more to go at that point. Uh, in the books, Mr. Steve Glosson, well said, well put, well taken. Tell the good people where they can find you on the internet. Riley, thank you so much for having me on, and congratulations on what a successful podcast run you've had. You've done it all, man. You've done it all, and it's uh, and you are someone that young podcasters should look up to, independent podcasters, and say, how did he do it, and then follow in your footsteps, because oh. I think you've done a lot well and a lot correctly in, in the way that you've handled things. If you people want to if people want to hear me ramble on, they can check out Geek Out Loud, where they listen to podcasts. I'm on the Instagrams taking pictures of toys these days poorly at Real Geek Out Loud on Instagram. That's kind of one of the fun things I'm doing lately. And then um, and then there's a YouTube, the Geek Out Loud as well. And since you don't have a Patreon, I'll plug mine. There you go. Once made me get into. You're the reason I have a Patreon at Patreon.com slash geek out loud if people come and they like the content they're hearing and they want to help the shows out and they're in position to so that's where they can do that but just geek out loud everything geek out loud except for the website i uh, i highly endorse it patreon.com slash geek out loud and of course i've enjoyed um you guys have been breaking down the marvel what if stuff recently yeah, that's so been fun yep check that out it's available wherever you get podcasts the geek out loud podcast you can also stay in touch with us as we finish up uh the podcast here of course email us star report at gmail.com subject line giveaway and get in on this awesome prize package provided by my sister so the one and only <laughs> bethany blanton sister. coming back out coming back on uh here in a few weeks probably two to three weeks uh, she'll be back on we're coordinating the time right now so uh she will also be on as we continue the greatest hits of uh, the Star Wars Report podcast. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time. And remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. I think that little riff right there is my favorite version actually of the imperial march oh yeah i feel like the orchestra is having a lot of fun where they just like jump right back into it just bust it out there yeah. i i love at the end of episode three the finale and mm. the and the score at the end of it, it keeps acting like it's going to go into it and it never does <laughs> yeah and that was and then come to find out later on i read something where William said it was intentional. George said he didn't want it. He wanted only hope. And so it keeps going into the throne room. It keeps yeah. going into Leia and Luke and stuff. So Yeah, with a full-on, like, that's that's one of the only times we ever... Actually, that's the only time I can think of where there's a full-on, like, Barry Manilow-style keychain change in Star Wars. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, let me stop the recorder. Steve, thank